Welcome uh, to the Recovery House of Worship. This is our final Sunday service of 2014. Who would have thunk it, right? It just the year went by so fast. I'm grateful that you're here. Uh, I am grateful that you're here. And um, I'm encouraging you. I want to encourage you. Although this is our final Sunday service of the year, this is not our final service of the year Amen. on New Year's Eve, as uh, Louisa stated, and I'll share a little bit more about what we'll do, but it, it's, man, there's no better way to bring in the new year than to come to that. So I just encourage you to come to that. Um, yeah. What's terrible about being stuck, stuck in life, stuck in marriage, stuck in spiritual growth, stuck in health, What's terrible about being stuck is that usually you're the last person to know. When you're stuck in a marriage, you can be stuck. The marriage could be stale. The marriage could have gone no further than it did five years ago, and you wouldn't know. Years will pass. When you're stuck spiritually, sometimes we can, as Christians especially, live off the idea that we're more mature, and healthier spiritually than we actually are. And we're the last people to know. When you're stuck in bitterness and can't move on to forgiveness, sometimes decades could pass. And yet you're still in that same spot. Being stuck is insidious because it's so easy to not know that you're stuck. Now, here's the thing. All of us get stuck at one time. Every one of us find ourselves in places, and you understand when I say stuck, what I mean is places uh, uh, where we are not growing anymore, where there's no improvement, where there's an area of tension in our lives, but we're not addressing that area of tension, where the marriage, the relationship has not moved on and matured, where the health has not gotten better, even though it's in your hands for your health to get better, where your, your attitude has not progressed or changed, even though it's within your ability to change. When I say stuck, what I mean is not so much a car getting stuck in the snow, although it feels like that, lots of energy going nowhere, but when I say stuck, I'm talking about relational, personal, um, financial, uh, attitudinal ways that we get stuck. Uh, in society, we call them ruts. Have you ever been in a rut? Are you in one right now? Now, the reason that this is so important is because this is the last Sunday of 2014. And in just a few days, you're going to come up with a resolution to get unstuck. Amen. And for many of us, 2015's resolution of getting unstuck, it's going to look an awful lot like 2014's resolution to get unstuck. 
And for some of us, 2014 looked an awful lot like 2004s. And 2004 looked an awful lot like 1994. And some of us, woo, can go back to striped Lee jeans in 84 <laughs> and realize that we've been stuck a really, really, really long time. Now, if you're young and you're here, you're on top of the world. Perhaps you're going to college. Maybe you're getting into a new relationship. Everything is going smooth. You do not yet have enough years to realize how stuck you can be. And so for you, this message is wonderful to be able to put in the back of your mind and say, you know what, I'm going to refer to that sometime. I'm going to need it. Because all of us, all of us get stuck. Even the greatest spiritual giant. Nobody ever grows like this. Shh. Nobody ever grows like this. If you look at my growth pattern, it looks like this, and then a plateau, and the, ooh, there was a dip, and then you, know, you grow a little bit more, and then you plateau, and then you go dip, and then you dip again, and then you dip again, and then you grow. You see, it, it, whenever you're in the process of growing in Christ, there's never just a straight shot. We get stuck. And because you're going to get stuck, and because you're the last person to know that you're stuck, and because it's possible to be stuck for over a decade before you do anything about it, this message is really, really important. Amen. Now, in, recovery house of, in the Recovery House of Worship, we do what we call series. And so what we do is we take an idea, a topic, a thought, a question, and we spend weeks on that idea, topic, thought, or question. And we try to hammer deep, deep on that thought. Now, usually we'll do it for four or five weeks. Last time we did it for five weeks. It was the waiting room. You remember that? And we just looked at one question for five weeks. Well, this week, we're, not, we're only going to do it for one week, but we're going to do it twice. We're going to look at it two times. Once is today. And then on New Year's or New Year's Eve, we're going to look at it again. So it's going to be a two-part series. And I pray that you would show up and, and make an investment because I want us to have the best 2015. I want us to have the best New Year. I want us to be ready for what God has for us. It's for you. It's for you. Well, God knows that every one of us are going to get stuck. We're going to be the last one to know, and we're going to be stuck potentially for decades. So God has put multiple, in multiple places in his word how to get unstuck. So today we're going to look at just one of the places, and it's found in the book of Galatians in chapter 5. If you've brought your Bible, and I encourage every one of you to bring your Bible, whether it's on an app or on paper, um, I encourage you. But if you're new, we've thought about you, and you open up your bulletin, there's going to be the scriptures right there. Now, Paul is going to speak to us. Paul is an apostle of Jesus Christ. He's chosen by Jesus to be sent to proclaim the gospel. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. And the good news is simply this. You're a horrible mess. Jesus knows that, and he loves you anyway. That is good news. Because if you look at me, every first date I've ever gone to was the very best I could dress in that stage of life. Right? 
Like, I, I never went to a first date, like, looking, trying to look like a bum, right? Why? Because I'm trying to get somebody to look at me in such a way as to like me. But it's something else when you come in with the greasy hands and the messed up hair and the dirty clothes and they say, I love you. That's, that's powerful. And, that's, and that's, that's why the gospel is such good news. The gospel is such good news. It's because Jesus sees you're grimy. He sees you're dirty. He sees you're nasty. And he loves you. It's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. So Paul is a sent one who's going to proclaim this good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is what the gospel means. And he gives us insights into God's word. Now, I forgot to pray at the very beginning of this, and I'm feeling convicted by the spirit of God to pray right now. So why don't we do that right now? And then we'll, so we're going to stand, I'll pray, and then we'll read God's word. Would you do that with me? It's a tradition that we stand to read God's word because he's wonderful. And his word is so other than, so gloriously higher than our thoughts. We stand. We do. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll get right into Father, this is your holy word. This is your book. This is your words given to us to glorify you and bring joy into our own lives. Lord, may we receive the gift of this, your holy word, and by your spirit, apply it to your glory and our joy. Help us, O oh God, as a congregation to live what we're about to hear and help us to have the wisdom to know what to do with what we're about to hear and to share it with others. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Galatians chapter uh, 5. We're going to start with verse 1. Uh, and everybody, you're going you're to read in a nice, loud, passionate voice. Can you do that? Oh, well, that stunk. Okay. okay all right. We're going to read in a nice, loud, and passionate voice. Can you do that? Yes. All right. Let's do that. Okay. All right. Um, one, two, three. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify. Let's pause for it. Okay, verse 16. Jump to it. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh is the desires is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. May God bless this, his word. Okay, listen. This is going to be big, okay? So I need you to put your, I want you to put your thinking cap on and I want you, listen, even in your own soul, be praying right now and just go, God, you know, you're going to speak into my heart. You're going to say something important. Lord, I want to hear from you. Paul starts in chapter five. Now, here's the thing. In the book of Galatians, Paul, it's one of the most theological books in the entire Bible. The only more theological book is the book Paul wrote. He has top one and two. It's the book of Romans. It's like theology dense, right? Galatians is the same way, deep on theology. But even in this book where it's deep on theology, Paul, half the book is on theology and half the book is on practice because the way theology is simply the study of God. Theos, God, 
logi, the study of, like mythology, the study of myth, Scientology, the study of something that ain't science. And so, um, so uh, for all you Scientologists, I love y'all, um, but you need Jesus. Okay, so, um, so here's the thing. Theology must practically affect the way you live or your theology is worthless. It's not enough to know what you believe or think that you know what you believe that has to be played out in the life that you live. Now, that's not a prerequisite to get into the kingdom. Prerequisite to get into the kingdom is acknowledge Christ's sacrifice for your sin. See him as glorious and ask him to save you. I mean, that's, he's done all the work. Amen. All you do is just go, yeah, that was, I'll take that. Amen. But to grow in Christ, your theology affects practically. Paul, in this incredibly theological book, puts 50% of it theology and 50% practical outflow of that theology. He's speaking to a congregation, Paul is, to a congregation who wants to go back to religious institutions rather than being in the spirit of Christ. They want to go back to rituals. They want to go back to what they used to do when trying to connect with God. Stand up, sit down, kneel down, light a candle, do this, as if that would save him or them. Well, he's been building this case and going strong on this. And so in chapter five, as we pick it up towards the end of his letter, you should read the whole thing and encourage you to read chapter five this week before we get into the New Year's message. He says this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Quick question, class. Why did Christ set us free? Freedom. For freedom. Isn't that awesome? Not so you could try harder, do better. Not so that you could um, try to uh, mark all your Christian uh, check marks and make sure that you're good enough. No, no, no. It's for freedom that he set us free. Now, I know for many of you, especially if you're new, that sounds alien and foreign to you. You don't think that Christ has said. When, you, when Christ comes into someone's life, you think that that's for bondage that the fun is over, that there is fun to be had, there is a life to be lived, and then there's Christianity and coming to Christ, and there's no fun. It's not freedom, it's a bond that you don't get to do all the things you used to do and all that other stuff. And if you think that, then you've missed the joy. Amen. You've missed the beauty of the gospel. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Now, Christ, uh, Paul makes this statement about Christ, and then everything that we're going to read builds off of that statement. It's freedom. Listen, you don't want to be stuck. You want to be free. You don't want to be caught up. You want to be free. You don't want to be in bondage. You want to be free. You don't want to be in a rut. You want to be free. And it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. So then Paul says, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now, the yoke of slavery, this is an incredibly powerful statement to make, but it's not what you might think. Paul says, it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. So since that's true that Christ has set you to be free for freedom's sake, why don't you then not go back 
to slavery. Now, some of you will think, oh, slavery, that must mean going back to your sin. That must mean going back to your junk, your mess, your old lifestyle, old habits, old addictions. Now, Paul is going to speak about that in a minute, but he's talking about two pitfalls to being free, two pitfalls to getting out of rut. The first one is not too much. This one right here is not too much a pitfall for the recovery house of worship, although some of us do fall into it. The first one is religion. That's the first pitfall. That's the going back to slavery. You see, there's a way that you relate to God that has nothing to do with God and has everything to do with your effort. And God says, I want nothing to do with it. Now, again, like I said, not many of us struggle with this one. There's not too many people here who are having your devotionals every day who are reading your Bible every day, who are praying to God every day, who are giving generously at the church. There's not, they're, not a, they're not four of you in this room who struggle with this. That's not where we struggle, where, where we try to find. Now, interestingly enough, though, the more time you spend in, the more time you spend among the community of believers, the greater risk this is. Because you start thinking, oh, I'm a pretty good person. Look at me. I don't, I don't rob, steal, or do all, any of this stuff. I cross the little ladies across the street. I read my Bible. I'm a good person. You know how I know? Because look at me. Look at all I do. Look at how much I give to the church. Look at how much I read the Bible. Look at how much I pray. Look at how much I show up on Sunday to the service. You can actually believe that you're a Christian. It's possible. You can actually believe that you're a Christian because you, your righteousness is based on yourself. And I can tell you, listen to me, that there, listen, there are several roads that take you to a wor- to, uh, several roads that take you to hell. Thinking that you're righteous before God because you, of what you do is a very broad one. I mean, I'm talking about double-decker highway, six-lane, super-highway lane. People think that because they stopped smoking crack and they started to work and they actually started to do life better than they used to do, that all of a sudden. They're righteous in God's eyes. Brothers, sisters, that's going back to slavery. You know why that's going back to slavery? Because the moment you blow it, the moment you make a mistake, the moment you sin, you no longer feel worthy of the relationship with God. And do you know why? Because the worthiness of your relationship with God has everything to do with your actions and not his actions, with your righteousness and not Jesus's righteousness, with your sacrifice and not his sacrifice on the cross. You see, that's the kind of slavery that Paul... Now, some of you, you go, I don't even know what this dude is talking about now. <laughs> I thought all of Christianity was reading your Bible. And, and All right, now, look at me. Would you just read your Bible? Amen. Right? Would you have... I mean, like, I would love for our, our church to struggle with this problem, okay? Oh, reading the Bible too much, finding my righteousness in my own reading. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I would love for us to struggle with that, okay? I'd love to preach a message about that, right? But that's not our problem. But listen, I obviously want you to read your Bible. I obviously want you to pray. I obviously, I obviously want you to, to, to live out a Christ-centered life. But if you find your worthiness... You find your righteousness. You find that you're a good person. When someone says, are you a good person? She says, yeah, I'm a good person. Really? Why? Because look at me. Look at me. I pay my taxes. 
I don't kill nobody, which has always been a curious response to me. I don't kill nobody. Really, that's the, that's the marker. I, I don't rob nobody. Really? <laughs> I'm not sure you're supposed to. But um, So what we're saying is simply this. Here's what we're saying. Paul is warning us that if you're going to get unstuck, one of the ways that will keep you unstuck is going back to slavery, thinking that your righteousness can get you unstuck. Your effort, your trying harder, your doing better, your turning over a new leaf, your, you know, well, look, I'm not reacting the way I used to. I'm not speaking to my wife the way I used to. I'm not as vulgar or nasty or argumentative or everything. And then all of a sudden, because you're not doing sin, you're not doing those things, all of a sudden you're righteous. Listen, that is not where your righteousness is found. Your righteousness is found on the one who righteously died on the cross for your sins. And if you go back to that old style of thinking that your good works will make you righteous, you go back to what Paul will call slavery. There's a pitfall that you can fall into. The first pitfall is, is relying on your goodness to establish your relationship with Christ. There's another pitfall to being stuck. And we jump all the way down to verse 16. Now, the verses in between verse 1 and 16 are all talking about the freedom that Christ has set us free. But it's his work. It's Christ's work. It's not your effort. It's Christ's effort. It's not your sacrifice. It's Christ's sacrifice. It's not your doing. It's Christ's doing. I wish I could make you believe that. I wish I could go in your head and take out all the things that you learned about being in relationship with God, rip it out and put this truth in there. Because if I did right now, you wouldn't be as quiet as you are now. You would be like, you're kidding me. I don't have to start trying anymore. You're kidding me. I don't have to jump through any hoops. You're kidding me. I don't have to change this or work on that. No, no, no. It's yours. It's free. It's yours and it's free for you. For Christ, it cost him everything. But for you, it's free. And one of the things that you can fall off of when you're trying to get unstuck is try to be more religious. You know, this church is going to pack out on the second week of January. You know why? Because people are falling into this trap. And we'll have, I mean, it'll be standing room only for both services. You'll come to the 10 o'clock, it'll be packed out. You'll come to this service, it'll be packed out. And the reason is, is because people are trying to work on their own righteousness. Now, it's going to be our job as Christians and believers to go, brother, don't try so hard. Jesus will do it. He's already done it. Amen. He'll work this out in you. He'll do this in your soul. And right now you're thinking, but then what? How do I do? How do I get out of a rut? We'll get to that. We'll get to that. But right now, one of the pitfalls that you could fall in trying to get out of a rut is trying to do it on your own, being religious, finding your righteousness in your own works. Jump all the way down to verse 16. Paul says, it's for freedom that I've set you free. So since that's true, so I say, that's what that phrase means, since everything that I just said about being free in Christ that he gives you, since all of that is true, since all of that is true, I say, walk in the Spirit. And that's it. Walk in the Spirit. Now here's what I've discovered. Everybody walks in something. Everybody walks in something. Everybody walks in either, and guys, Come closer for, for a second, guys. Listen to me. We have an issue of ego that our wives could be married to us for 20 years and still not want to put that ego down. It is an image. It is a mask. And let me, let me listen, listen. It's killing you. We have, it's, listen, 
Walk in the spirit. Don't walk in your ego. Don't walk in uh, what culture says that you ought to be. Don't walk in this way because you thought that that's the way Puerto Ricans walk or black people walk or white people walk or Irish or Jewish. Listen to me. You walk in the spirit. Ladies, listen to me. Listen to me. Don't walk in what you think will get you what you want. Don't do that. Walk in the spirit. Don't walk in insecurity. That's no fun. It'll get you nowhere. That's what's keeping you in your rut. Because you're walking in insecurity. It's the reason why you're still in that relationship. It's the reason why you suffer in those circumstances. It's the reason because you're walking in insecurity. Don't walk in insecurity. Don't walk in ego. Don't walk in this stuff. Walk in the spirit. Now, the spirit is not equal to feelings. You're not, walk, you're not to walk in your feelings. You're to walk in the spirit of the living God. The spirit that we're talking about here is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. When we talk about God, we speak of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Not three gods. Not three gods. One God, three in one. It's what Trinity means. It's tri-unity. And then there's a smart person in the room that says, Trinity is not found in the Bible, neither is Knucklehead, but <laughs> you're acting like one now. So listen to me. Trinity simply is a theological term. Listen, and I know I just lost you. So um, Trinity is a theological term that was brought up to explain the unbelievable profundity of God. It's tri, meaning three, Unity, meaning one. Amen. God is tri-unity. God is three in one. How many gods do we worship? We worship one God. He expresses himself in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, when we talk about walking in the Spirit, what we're talking about in this case is we're talking about the Spirit of God leading and guiding us. Now, let's illustrate this, walking in the Spirit. Because when we walk in the Spirit, we don't have to fight and mess with temptation the way we do when we walk in the flesh. Now, let's say, for instance, you are, you, the, the Holy Spirit, God has put it on your heart that, you know what, you want to be more healthy. 2015 is the year for you being more healthy. You've been eating poorly. You've been eating badly. You know, you're, you're gaining weight. And, and, you know, it's been happening for like 15, 20 years. You've been saying you want to do this. And, you know, it's, the Spirit has been talking to you. Okay, listen. Address this. That's the issue that God has been addressing. So what happens? You go to a restaurant. And does anybody here like warm bread when they go to a restaurant? Anybody here? Like, oh, man, it's awesome. It's awesome. I love warm bread. What happens? But you know that bread is like, is like inhaling, is like inhaling fat, right? It's like, you know, it's, it's not good for you at all, right? And so, so here comes the white bread, it's all toasted, and they put it uh, in the bread basket, and they have a bunch of butter right next to it, and they put it on your table. And you know, you know that you just prayed, and you made a resolution, I'm going to eat healthy. But now, it's like all of 1204, right? <laughs> and you're in the restaurant and now they put the bread on your, uh, on your table. So you go, oh man, I, I, I really shouldn't do, I should not do that. Right. I should not, you know, eat that. And so at that moment, at that moment, the spirit speaks to you because you're going, 
you've already said, oh man, I really shouldn't have that. And it's 12.06, two minutes have passed, and you've already had to say no. But here's what happens. What usually happens is we leave the bread there, and we go, man, I really shouldn't do that. Man, I really shouldn't do that. And we do that about 999 times. And then on time 1,000, anybody knows what we do? We go, one ain't gonna kill me. And it might be technically the first day of the year, but you know, I'm gonna wake up and that'll really, really be the first day of the year. And so, so now watch this, now watch this. But when you're in the spirit, here's what happens. You go, God, I, I really do wanna honor you with my body and I don't feel like I can say no to this bread. Could you help me? And then the spirit says, call the waiter over. Of course. So it's still 12.04. And you call the waiter over and you say, oh, thanks. Can you take this bread away? Because you don't have to put yourself in a position where you might have to say no, because you know what? You might not say no. And so it's only in the movies, only in the movies do you see the guy go to the hotel room with the girl and then go, no, I can't do it, and then run out of it. That's only in the movies. That's never happened in my counseling sessions. In the counseling sessions that I have, it, you know, other things happen, but not that. Listen to me. That's what it means to walk in the Spirit to walk in step with, to walk in line with, to walk obedient to the Spirit. But here's the problem, you ready? You don't do that. You don't even wanna do that. You don't even desire to do that. You don't. Listen, here's another one. You can't do that, you don't. Because if you could, you would've done it by now. If you could have said no, you'd be lighter than you are. If you could have said no, you'd watch less pornography than you do. If you could have said no, you wouldn't be in the financial bind that you're in. If you could have said no, you don't, you, none of us do this. So the question is, how do I get out of this rut? We're getting to that. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Isn't that a powerful statement? What Paul says is that if you walk by the Spirit, the things that you don't want to wind up doing, the things that you don't want to wind up being, the, the places you don't want to wind up going, will naturally take care of themselves. It's very easy. Oh, oh, I wasn't, I, it's interesting how many, how little fights we get into, like physical fights. Guys, right? isn't it interesting how, how few fights you've had since you left the corner? It's amazing because you're not there anymore. And once you're not there anymore, all of that chaos doesn't come. Because walking by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So there's these two things that are battling. There's the Spirit that God wants to lead you by, and then there's the flesh that you think you'll find happiness in. Can I just tell you, you're no good at thinking of what will find you happiness. Can, can I tell you that most of the people who have lived their lives thinking that they knew what freedom was and that they knew what happiness was, those are not people who have, are the happiest people in the world. In fact, when you see people walking in freedom that says that they do whatever they want and they satisfy every desire, those are the saddest people you see in the world because the very things that they thought that would give them happiness, the very things that they thought would bring them joy, the very things that they thought would get them out of the rut have only brought them into a deeper rut and a deeper grievance. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. 
They're in conflict with each other so that you, so that you are not to do whatever you want. This is so important because this is another principle about being free and getting out of. So first principle is we don't go to trying harder, doing better, working harder. That's not what we do. That's the first thing Paul said. The second thing, we don't go on the other side of the street and live according to our flesh and our desires. Thirdly, Paul says, don't do whatever. Freedom doesn't mean doing any, everything and anything that you want. Going anywhere and everywhere. You know what? If you want to find people who did everything that they wanted, you want to find those people, you know where you find them? In jail. You know where you find people who use their freedom to do everything that they wanted? In a detox. That's where you find them. Like, when I drive down the street, when I walk down the street, when I speak to someone who can't hold a coherent sentence because they're so led by liquor, they're so drunk, not on the spirit, but on alcohol. When I meet those people, I find the person who has no limits, who has done freedom the way he wanted to do it. And notice, those people only find themselves stuck more and more. Paul says that if you want real freedom, if you want real joy, if you want to really get out of the rut, Paul says, don't do whatever you want. But go back to what he says in verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit. Now listen to me. Listen to me. The difference between joy and, happy, uh, joy and sadness is found in walking by the Spirit or walking by the flesh. Walking by the Spirit simply means being obedient to the promptings of Jesus. Walking by the flesh is continuing to live your self-centered life. In fact, whenever you see flesh like this, all you, just, you can replace the word flesh for self-centered. Because it's the self-centered who find themselves in this painful situation. It's the self-centered who think, oh, I know. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'll find my happiness and only find misery and pain. Listen. They are in conflict with each other, the spirit and the flesh are, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Now, the question is this. Listen, here's the question. How then do I get out of the rut? I believe you. There are some pitfalls. You, you're sitting there and you're saying, you know what? How do I get unstuck? How do I get out of this rut? And you go, oh, you're sitting there and you say, okay, I get it. So there's a pitfall to try to do it in my own strength. And then there's another pitfall of just doing whatever I want. Okay, I get that. I get that. How do I get unstuck? That will be the subject that we tackle on New Year's Eve. So now I, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come. Listen to me. I want you to come to New Year's Eve. Let me tell you why. Because number one, we're going to talk about how to start your new year right. And we're going to bring in the new year. And I'm telling you, it's going to be amazing. At the New Year's service, here's what's going to happen. 10 to 10.30. You know what that's going to be? It's going to be prayer and reflection. If you've never spent a half hour, you go, oh, I could never pray for a half hour. Everybody who's ever done this with me has always said, where did the time go? It was like, I need a few more minutes. I'm telling you, a half hour is not a long time. Because we're going to have scriptures and we're going to have um, statements to reflect on and think on. It's going to Think about this. When was the last time you had one half hour to rest 
and reflect. When was the last time? It might not have ever happened in your whole life. So we're going to take a half hour. You're going to be blessed by it. Even if you have children, we have a, we'll have a children's ministry up and running and they'll be able to take care of them. While you start getting prepared for the new year, reflecting on the beauty of Christ and the wonder of who he is. It's going to blow your mind. Second thing we're going to do is we're going to have testimonies, kind of like the one that we heard today. We're going to have baptisms. We're going to have incredible music from our team. It's going to be amazing. And if you, if you come on uh, New Year's Eve, the, 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 the best part about it is that you get to hear me again. <laughs> Aren't you excited? No, not so much. Okay, I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Golf clap. Golf clap. All right, Pastor. Uh, we get it. Okay. No, but that, that's, not, that's not necessarily it. That what, what is it is that we'll hear God's word, and if we take it seriously, God can absolutely change the trajectory of our lives. Because every one of us, listen, starting with me, but every one of us is stuck somewhere. Every one of us. Some of us, it's in a relationship. For others, it's with our health. There are some of us who've been stuck in the prison of bitterness for decades. And your wife has been trying to tell you. And the people around you have been trying to tell you. And your friends have been trying to tell you. And you don't have ears for it. But you're stuck. Others of us are stuck in fear. Fear rules your life. And you'll go through your 30s, and you'll go through your 40s, and you'll go through your 50s, and it won't be till you're on your deathbed before you realize, oh my goodness, I let fear run my entire life. Some of you, some of you, listen to me, some of you are stuck in pornography, clicking on screens, Killing your own soul. I want you to be unstuck. It's my desire. I'm your pastor. Listen to me. I love you. I'm your pastor. I want you to be as free as Christ gives. And that's a huge freedom. Now, if you're not in Christ, being led by the Spirit, what it means to be led by the Spirit is not something you can experience because Christ only the Holy Spirit only moves into homes that invite him in. And so if you've never invited Jesus, if you never, and, and here's what I mean by saying invited. If you've never gone to Jesus and said, okay, I'm wrong about me, you're right about me. I'm a sinner. Ooh, that's an old word. Oh, I feel guilt and shame about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done wrong. You are right. You paid for, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. And you give me salvation. You give me your righteousness and you take on my shame and my guilt. If you've never done that, you can do that now. You can ask Jesus to come into your whole heart and lead you and guide you. It's such a significant experience. Christians have called it being born again. Saying, Jesus, my life is now yours and it's new and you take me wherever you want me to go and do whatever you want me to do with I want to live for you. That's what I want for you. So show up to this New Year's Eve service. 
Come early. Get your seat. Rest. Pray. And get ready for a new year that's going to be like no other. Because for some of us, we're going to get unstuck for the very first time. I hope to see you there. Let's pray. Father, you are very good to us. You're worthy of our praise and you're worthy of worship. Lord, I know in my own soul how easy it is to get stuck and be in complete denial about how stuck I really am. Lord, I know what it's like to have multiple people come up to me and tell me, tell me how stuck I am and me to ignore them or make excuses for why it's not true or for why it's okay for me to be stuck if they only knew, if they only understood, if they experienced what I experienced, they'd be stuck too. And all of them just lies and excuses to keep me stuck. Lord, I pray that we would be a congregation who would be free. For it's for freedom that you set us free. And it's free for us, but it wasn't free for you. You who came from heaven to earth, Jesus, to live the life that we should have lived, but we did not. And you, Jesus, who died the death that we deserve because of our guilt, because of the things that we've done, but you paid the penalty and died for our sin. And yet you're willing to offer your righteousness in swap for our sinfulness. You're willing to trade your beauty for our nasty. Thank you, God, for loving us like that. Father, thank you for sending your son, Christ, to die on the cross. Jesus, we praise you for dying on the cross and sending the spirit to live in our hearts so that we're not alone in this new life. Help us to rest in that. Help us to realize that there's no way trying harder is ever going to work. There's no way doing better is ever going to work. That our solution is found only in Christ. Help us to see that. Help us to know that. Help us to live for you. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.